What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week, helping our children with online school, balancing our job and our family life, finding time for our spouse or our significant other. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 10,000 Podcast. We want to bring God into your 10,000 minutes each and every week. My name is Sawyer Trapp, and I'm our associate pastor here at Arise Church. And if you haven't clicked that subscribe button, we really do encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. You're getting this content weekly to help you follow Jesus and bring God into your 10,000 minutes. So I'm joined, as always, by our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad that you're joining us. We are back. Um, we are so excited that you can can listen to us. Like this is great to be back. We took off last week because it was Easter. It was Easter. It was a little crazy. A theme for us. If you're not in the church, like working for a church, you don't realize like how crazy it is. And this is probably our craziest Easter ever. It was. If you haven't yet, go back and watch the Easter message or the Easter service. Mm-hmm. It was a great Easter service overall. Like huge tech change, huge stage change, a lot of work we put in. Yep. Sawyer was working around the clock. <laughs> um, really, he was helping out our new tech director, Jason Cobb, mm-hmm. who's just super ambitious, and I, which I love. Yep. Pulled off an amazing project, so just grateful for those guys and how hard they worked last week. It turned out great. Mm-hmm. Um, so we needed to take off the week from this podcast. <laughs> that, even that half hour of recording was needed. We used it. We used <laughs> it. But we're back in... Um, so the message on Sunday was on Lazarus, who of course is dead in the tomb for four days. So today's message is going to be pulling off that and leading us into this next Sunday's message because we're going to actually be talking about what happens when you die. Okay, what happens when you die? In fact, three different elements to this. Um, the, what happens yeah. when you die? One is what actually happens to your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have some interesting. Thing. You'll, you'll, you'll get it. Why <laughs> I'm going to share in just a minute. One, what happens to your body? One. What happens? Your your what should happen with the people around you, or or you? You know, mm-hmm. when someone you love dies, what, right. how should you process it? How do you go through it? And then the third thing we're going to cover is what actually happens to us, like spiritually. Mm-hmm. So what happens to our body? One, what happens to us emotionally, and what happens to us spiritually when we die? So what happens to your body when you die? That's today's message. <laughs> today's podcast. That's right. And this it seems like an interesting thing to talk about on this podcast. But I, I hope that we can glean throughout. As we discuss through what happens to your body, what happens when you're going through the loss of someone, and, and what happens to your body spiritually when you die, that those all have really important impl- excuse me implications for how we live our lives right now, which is what this podcast is all about. Yes. Um, the first one, maybe a little less. Maybe though, a little less. But I got some interesting stuff that I really want to share. Matt did a lot of research for this message, and he really just wants <laughs> to share it with us. Sometimes there's stuff so good, but yet not good for children. So if you're listening to this with kids in the car or someone who's squeamish, just fast forward like five minutes. <laughs> just skip ahead, hit that 30 second forward button a few times because mm-hmm. 
Uh, I did some research this last week because I was really kind of curious, and this is sometimes that I do whenever there's like a sickness or an ailment or something in, in a passage. Like I, I want to get a medical perspective. Like right. what is actually going on? Is there something that could help my message? So this last week, I actually talked to two different doctors on the phone, and then I did some research on my own on what happens to a dead body in the four days mm-hmm. after they die, after someone dies. What happens to the physical dead body? And it's fascinating. I shared just a very brief snippet of it. Right. For, for, for good reason. <laughs> for good Because you might be a little squeamish talking about what actually happens to a dead body. Mm-hmm. In fact, I ran this by Sawyer and the staff and, and some volunteers and my wife. <laughs> On Thursday afternoon, I did a full run-through of my Easter message, yeah. and I got some feedback tonight. Yes, that uh, maybe it was a bit much. It was a little bit much. My uh, Melissa said... If McKinley has nightmares from this, <laughs> you are getting up in the night with her, not me. And I'm That's like, okay, on you. That might be a little much. Uh, so I'm going to dial it back a little bit when we're talking about what happens to the dead body. But I thought it was fascinating because it honestly makes what Jesus does. Yeah, even more impressive. More impressive. Because uh, I don't know if, if you've ever thought about this. Like this is what my question was to the doctors. Like what happens hour by hour, day by day in those first four days of a dead body? Mm-hmm. And it took a little bit of research because there's a lot of research on this, but I had to, nobody had, I could find really compiled it hour, hour, mm-hmm. hour by hour, day by day. So I, I had some help. We have, you know, one is a family member, an uncle who's a doctor, and then a, a doctor in our church who's been coming for about a year now, talked with him, and he helped me, like, okay, I sent it back to him after I, like, wrote my stuff up, and he's like, yeah, this is accurate. So according to him, okay, okay. I, I'm accurate. I've talked with some medical people. I have not talked with, uh, a mortician or, or a coroner or a coroner. Or, okay. So they might be like, well, it's not quite perfect, but I'm going to give you as, as close as I can. So this is interesting. So they would have taken Lazarus's body. They would have wrapped it up. They didn't embalm. Okay. In those days. No embalming because that slows, changes the process. Mm-hmm. Too. Took the body, would have wrapped it up, put spices around it, and then put it sealed in that tomb. So w- when the body, when, when it dies, I mean, it immediately cools off because right. your heart stops beating, stops pumping blood. And it's really because the blood isn't pumping throughout your body that causes all the other issues that come. So like the skin starts to change color, gets pale, mm-hmm. loses its luminescence. It, it, the eyes start to, you know, stop, like everything just stops functioning, right? Right. And I think one of the interesting things I brought up on Sunday was about the organs. Mm-hmm. Because if organs aren't harvested very quickly, they're worthless. Mm-hmm. They, there's no way we can like take them out and restart and give them to another person, right? Yet. Yet. And we have some people <laughs> in the church really involved in organ transplants. Like, yeah, absolutely. How critical it is to get there immediately. Like We have a man in our church who's uh, Randy Schrantz, his, his grandson. I think that's correct. Like is alive because of a heart transplant. Yeah. Like, and he's a huge advocate for organ transplant. Like, Absolutely. Uh, Nikki Titsworth is a, a nurse working just with transplants, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Great work that you do. Become an organ donor. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Go, when you get your license, become an organ donor. It's, it's awesome because you're not using it anymore. Um, they had bumper stickers at Arizona Organ Donation that says, uh, make sure you're going to heaven, but that you don't take your organs with you. I like that. Which I thought was really cute. Because as we're going to talk about, obviously God has some way of making organs work after long after they are worthless. Yeah. So it's okay if you give your organs away. You don't need there you them. go. Like, you don't need oh, them. I'm not going to need them. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. God is way more powerful than that. Yeah. So the, the body just 
starts to const- like the, the muscles start to constrict. So mm-hmm. we know that like that process of rigor mortis. W- one thing I didn't know about this, but your muscles tighten up. It starts with the smaller muscles, like around your eye, your fingers, hands, mm-hmm. and then to your bigger muscles, like in your legs, and they tighten up for that first twenty four hours. And then by 36 hours, they have loosened completely. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't, know, I didn't really know how that process worked. So that's the first days. They're tightening up, and then they slowly start to loosen again. The organs have stopped functioning completely. The blood is pooling in parts of the body because hmm. that's that's what it is. It's not going through the vein, so it pools at the lowest. Gravity pulls it down. It makes so, sense. Which causes like those purplish, bluish spots on okay. the skin. If you've ever watched... like. CSI or Bones or Law and Order or Law yeah. and Order there's always dead bodies that they're cutting open right mm-hmm. showing at different stages and all this different stuff so so then the fingers because they're like the extremities and nose and toes they would start and your ears start turning brown because hmm. there's no blood at all to them first your hair starts falling out and then this is the part that I really have to take out okay your skin starts to slough Ooh. Like if you've ever watched The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the skin is starting to slough, right? It's falling off the body, and then this is the gross part because the the enzymes, the bacteria in your gut, starts to has to eat something, right? There's no more blood to feed it, so it starts eating literally the organs in your body, mm-hmm. and that's what causes these gases that get released first in the abdomen, then in the torso, then like up through the neck. And they're bloating, 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 sometimes explosions. Ooh. Yeah, if it gets too bad. Oh, I didn't Usually know that. There's, if there's some orifice, they, the gas escapes, and that's what causes that stink. So when Martha's like, don't roll back the stone, he stinketh. <laughs> that's what she's talking about. It's the smell of rotting flesh, mm. the smell of death. Right. You were like, mm. Not like, mm, not like, like, mm, like, mm, that's, that's a lot to deal with. Not like, mm, I'm hungry. No, no, no. I'm so, not a zombie. So this would have all happened in those four days yeah. that Lazarus was in the tomb. Which when I found out about that, I'm like, I got to tell people because this makes it seem like, wow, it's way past time to act. And that's what Martha was saying. Right. I think we have in our head this idea like. When we see somebody resuscitated, like they haven't been breathing maybe for a few minutes and they look fairly normal, like their yep. body looks normal. It just looks almost like they're asleep. But like this is a totally different case. Like the body is actively breaking down. Yep. There's smells. The skin is sloughing off. Like, right. and, and there's uh, – this doctor I spoke with, he, he said not only like the organ thing is a big deal but the brain too. If you mm-hmm. don't have blood to your brain for just a few hours, oh, yeah. brain damage. Permanent. Permanent yep. brain damage. Four days, like, nothing, there's no way. So, basically, this body is way past gone. Mm-hmm. This is not a, you know, we, we just need to shock him situation. <laughs> get the paddles, bring him back, mouth yeah. to mouth. That's not what's no. going to happen with a four days dead body. Um, so, if that's the case, then what Jesus did is even more miraculous. Right. That Jesus can just say, hey, come on out, Lazarus. Lazarus, come out. He commands him. That's so much more impressive, and it makes that miracle, however it happened. Like, if you just want to think about the biology of it, is he's making him new almost, right? The same man, Lazarus. Yeah, very much so. New. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just find that so impressive, and it just reminds us, so if we bring this to our 10,000, is that Jesus has power over things that in our world are impossible. Yeah. 
medically impossible, scientific impossible. It, it just doesn't make any sense. There's so when things happen in our life, there, there's nothing good that could ever come out of this. It's past hope. Things are hopeless. Things are bleak. My life doesn't mean anything. If you're hearing this and you feel that way at mm-hmm. all, know that Jesus has a miraculous power, the resurrection and the life that's so much greater. And he can make something that you can't even imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, and yes, you might be a little squeamish with talk, the talk of the human body. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I'm, I appreciate that I did that research. That's why I wanted to share it with you guys. Yeah. And I didn't want to scare the children. <laughs> Five and up were with us in the Sunday service, as well as lots of um, other people that would have been too squeamish for that. Right. So, but I did want to share it with you guys. So that's the first thing. What happens to your body when it dies? So the second thing we wanted to talk about is, is what do we do emotionally when someone dies? Right. Because obviously we're not still around if, if we're dying. Right. We can't grieve over ourselves. Yeah, but what, what do we do emotionally? Yeah, so I would say I think maybe there's this false idea out there that as, as followers of Jesus, like if we know somebody who has been a follower of Jesus, who is a Christian, that like it's not okay to grieve. Like, yes, we know they're in heaven and, and so like – we're sad, but we don't have to be sad anymore. And so I think there is something to that. Like if we can confidently say that this person was a follower of Jesus, we can have hope that we will once again be reunited with them in heaven. And we can have joy that they're no longer experiencing the pain and the hurt and the disease and the tears and the difficulty of this life. But we still have to deal with the loss of that person. We still have to deal with the hurt and pain that we're experiencing because if we don't, if we just try to push that aside or push it down, there can be a lot of negative things that can happen if we don't deal with the difficulty and the hurt and the pain and the loss. And as we saw in, in your passage from Sunday, even Jesus, who had the full power of God, who was God, still wept. Still wept. And whether Jesus knew or not in that moment that um, he was going to raise up Lazarus a little bit later or not. But like whether or not that's the case, I think it's even maybe more powerful if he knew that that was going to happen, but still was still like, man, this is one of my best friends. Like, and seeing him dead, seeing this death that even exists in this world that he created, you know, Jesus in that moment was grieving. Jesus gives us a good model to deal with the pain and hurt that we have. So yes, we can have hope that we'll see them again one day, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we can't also grieve in these moments. And we need to. Yeah, we, we need to. Yeah. It's, it's part of the emotional process. And I do like the fact that Jesus walked in on this four days into the seven-day process. And mm-hmm. that's actually probably a good process. A lot of cultures have good healthy processes for grieving yeah I think that's something we don't do well in the west we do terribly yeah. we were like oh time to move on from your life yeah like, funeral's over back to work you know yeah, you get a few days off maybe um, why are you still acting weird it's already been a month yeah you know and, and we say that or we think that mm-hmm. it's just not enough time to even have seven days but the seven days is probably helpful to, to move you forward in that grieving process because we are commanded to grieve with those who grieve. Yeah, and mourn with those who mourn. That's an actual command in Romans 12, 15. Mm-hmm. So if we're commanded to grieve with those who grieve, it's obviously okay when people grieve because it's okay <laughs> for you to grieve with them. Yep. So if you're going through that process, it's okay to grieve. And I do think you put up an uh, interesting point. You know, in 1 Thessalonians four thirteen, it says, we grieve, but not like the rest of mankind. Mm-hmm. So it assumes that grieving is okay and good, but we do grieve a little bit differently. Right. So... What is the difference? 
in our grief as Christians. If it doesn't mean we have to put on a stoic face and pretend like everything's okay and we're happy because he's, this person's in heaven, what does it actually mean? I think we can be... I think we can hold those two things equally. Mm-hmm. We can have joy and hope that that person is experiencing perfect relationship with God and that we get to see them again some day. But at the same time, we can hold the grief and the loss and the hurt of that, the loss of that person in our life. And we can hold those. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most powerful things about the gospel is that in those moments, like we can have hope at one of the most awful moments of our life. Like when we lose a parent, when we lose a child, when we lose a best friend, that even in those moments, God is saying, I still got this. You can still put your hope in me. And that grief is going to be there, but it doesn't have to end there. Right. That's good. Grief is a good thing um, because grief is love persevering. That's good. Did you come up with that? No, it's from WandaVision. Oh, okay. There you go. It's going to make you want to watch it now, Sawyer. I've been trying to get Sawyer to watch WandaVision. I am desperately behind on all things Disney+. Plus. The only thing we've used Disney+, Plus for so far, is to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse with Lucy. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. I need to watch Mandalorian. I need to watch WandaVision. And then they have the new um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Soldier. one episode of that. It's a little slower. Okay. But I'm really excited about that, because I love Falcon, one of my kind of favorite side superheroes. So... But yeah, I mean... I'm way behind. Grief is love persevering. That's like a beautiful, powerful line. That's awesome. When it happened in the show, Melissa looked at me and she's like, that was good. (laughs) That's good. Um, But I mean, that's what it is. Like, you love someone. There is grief. Yeah. There is, like, when someone dies, it's okay to grieve. Mm -hmm. It's it's good. And if you've experienced the loss of a loved one, or if you are right now, we care about you, we love you send us an email and we'll pray with you and encourage you through that. Maybe it's even been a year, two years, five years, mm, ten years yeah. later. Um, it's okay to feel those things. Like M- Melissa, right before this, surprised me and, and came to work and took me on a lunch date, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And she was even like bringing up a memory of her grandpa mm. because I ordered blue cheese. She's like, my grandpa always <laughs> ordered blue cheese. And just... Like those memories, like you still have emotions years later, and it's good. Yeah, and something that you have encouraged um, our congregation to do, which I had never thought of before, I think is really awesome, is if you know like the anniversary of somebody's loss, yep. reach out to them on those days. Right. I've done that fairly recently with someone in my life, and they were just like so thankful that I remembered and felt so loved in that. Because they're thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. They're thinking about it on that person's birthday, on mm-hmm. the anniversary of their loss, their anniversary, yeah. you know, if they were married to somebody. Right. So, yeah, and if, if you're feeling that, we want to encourage you and pray for you, too. Maybe you're really sad right now. Reach out to us. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be sad, but we're here to grieve with you. I mean, right. that's our command. So that's we're right. We're going to grieve with you. We're going to stand right. with you, and we're going to be like, man, that does suck but but we do have hope and, and we're going to stand you for both those things so email me mwolf at arisedenver.com or strap at arisedenver.com either way we'll both get it and we'll send it to each other mm-hmm. we'll be praying for you and encouraging you in that so that was the second thing we wanted to talk to mm-hmm. you about one what happens to the body when it dies two what happens emotionally to us when someone dies and three what happens to us spiritually mm-hmm. so where does our soul go when we die well I, I'm going to give us some context and maybe toss it back to you. But there's a lot of differing opinions on this. Um, the Bible, sadly, or maybe God intended this way, doesn't have too much to say on this topic. There are some verses that it talks about. 
Um, but there's a couple of differing opinions, whether you immediately go up to heaven, whether you're in some sort of intermediate state, uh, whether you're in some sort of this idea of soul sleep, mm-hmm. that you would just kind of go, that you would, for people who die, that there wouldn't be this difference between when they die and when they're resurrected at the return of Jesus, that it would just almost be this instant experience for everyone. Um, and so there's a lot of differing ideas on that, and I think we'll dive into a couple of them and then talk about it. So Okay, sure. So ex- explain what are the different possibilities scripturally. So, uh, yeah, I think certain scriptures suggest that there is um, an immediate joining in with heaven or immediately um, not being joined in heaven and going to hell um, for those who don't believe. Um, so that would be one option. There's also an idea of soul sleep that maybe the dead are... Uh, just in this like state, and then when Jesus comes back, it's they are all awoken, as it promises in Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another option, or this idea of kind of an intermediate state, which soul seep is an option. Some other people have also suggested uh, that maybe you're just in, on kind of a hold, or you're not fully in the experience of heaven, which I, I don't think is necessarily arguable from a biblical perspective, but... So where do you stand, Sawyer? What do you think the Bible actually teaches? I don't know. I've kind of gone back and forth on this one. I haven't had a chance to really, truly dive in. I mean, I would tend um, to say that you're immediately um, in the presence of, of God in heaven, if you do believe. I think if we look at Jesus' interaction um, with the, the thief who does believe, when Jesus is on the cross, he says, immediately you will be, excuse me, you, today you will be with me in par- paradise. Yep. And that doesn't seem that Jesus is suggesting that there is this sort of like, you know, intermediate state, or maybe Jesus was like hinting. And, you know, I, I think if we take Jesus, the words he says, it seems to suggest that right once that they died, that they would be in heaven. Yeah. And I looked at that verse and... I find it pretty persuasive. I think so, too. When Jesus says, who knows, because he was in heaven, came down from heaven, right. he said things like, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Like So he's seen it all. Mm-hmm. He's been everywhere. And he mm-hmm. says, today you will be with me in paradise. Right. This man who simply has faith in Jesus mm-hmm. at the end is a criminal, convicted criminal. Right. On the cross. On the cross. <laughs> obviously a terrible dude. Right? Yeah. Today you will be with me in paradise because you believe in me. Mm-hmm. So today sounds like today. It doesn't sound like Jesus is suggesting that you're in this intermediate state, and then when he comes back again, that's the day, right? Right. The, the only possibility that I can see with that is that maybe the soul sleep seems instantaneous. Mm-hmm. So True. it's going to think, like when you actually wake up your eyes, however that works, <laughs> that it's like as if no time passed at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's no, a good possible. That's possible. And that's like the soul sleep idea. Who, who's the, who's the famous book of the guy that fell asleep for like a hundred years? Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, it's an old American tale. I'll, I'll look it up. Um, I can't think of it. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll, we'll come back to it. Somebody comment on that. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. You should know this. Didn't you learn this English literature when you were in middle school? Um, so... The, the point is that whatever it is, is today you will be with me in paradise. So mm-hmm. that word in Greek is paradiso. It is a word that refers to gardens, beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's the word that refers to the Garden of Eden. Right. Like this is a perfect place with God, with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. There's an incredible book, and I've recommended it before. I'll recommend it again, called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Okay. 
We'll put it down in the show notes. Not only does it go through everything the scriptures say about heaven, the afterlife, all that stuff, but it also speculates. And this is what I like about it. He's very honest at the end. He's like, a lot of this is speculation, but I'm going to do my best to have biblical speculation. Mm. If we have these verses that give us these glimpses of what's to come, let's put them together and have the best guess. And he's, he's very, like, we're humble, our best guess at it. But the best guess is if it's heaven, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, well, if it's going to be heaven, but it's still not the ultimate heaven. It's not what our, we're ultimately longing for, because we are actually ultimately longing for as Christians to have our bodies resurrected just like Jesus' body was resurrected. Mm-hmm. Um, that Jesus is the first fruit, 1 Corinthians 15. That our bodies will be transformed like Jesus' mm-hmm. body. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. There are these scriptures that are very, very clear that we will have a body just like Jesus had a resurrection body. Right. Now, I think it's worth debating whether this paradise we go to when we die, whether we'll have a body or not. But this intermediate mm-hmm. heaven, and that's what I think Randy Alcorn calls it, our yeah. intermediate heaven, will be where believers go when they die. Mm-hmm. It's not the ultimate heaven. It's not our ultimate hope. Our ultimate hope is the new heavens and the new earth. And actually, the new heaven comes down to reside on the new earth, so they're actually just one new thing called the new heavens and the new earth. Right. That's like one one place. One place. Heaven on earth. Earth is heaven. It's going to be this the world as it was meant to be all along. And if you want to know more about that, mm-hmm. you've got to come this Sunday. I'm starting a brand new series called Better Than You Think. And this first message is on heaven because heaven is way better than people think. Mm-hmm. I used to be bored and terrified at the thought of doing nothing for eternity. Or singing for all eternity. Singing. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't even like singing. I don't want to play a harp. That's I right. I don't like harp music. Uh, I don't want to a diaper and float on clouds. Oh, it's <laughs> way better. Way, 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 way better. And that's mm-hmm. our ultimate hope. But I think paradise is going to be pretty good too. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty great. So that's where I land on it. I, and I'm not convinced by the soul sleep argument. I just don't find it. Yes, the Bible talks about us sleeping when we die. Jesus in John 11 said, Lazarus is sleeping and I'm going to wake him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was just a metaphor for death. That's what I think too. It's a metaphor for death throughout the Bible. Mm -hmm. In the Hebrew world and in the Greek world, they often talk about sleep. Even in our modern English, sometimes people talk about sleep as a metaphor for death. So it's it's a common thing. So I don't think it actually means we're going to be sleeping. So that's where I stand on that issue. Yeah, I would also really recommend if you're interested in this, and this is a video, so it's really easy. Um, The Bible Project puts out awesome videos, and their video on the image of God traces this idea all the way from Genesis, all the way through Revelation, and has an awesome, awesome picture of the new heavens and the new earth. So we'll link that down below in the show notes. I would highly recommend that as well. So yeah, we've covered a lot of ground Mm -hmm. in this, and we've given you some resources to maybe check out, but... But what happens when we die is important. What happens to our physical body? Mm-hmm. What happens to us emotionally if, if we're still here? And what happens to our resurrected spiritual bodies? Where, you know, where are we going? So we do hope that you will join us for Better Than You Think this Sunday, week one. Um, the title for my message right now is <laughs> Floating on Clouds and Diapers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the image that people have of heaven nope. and heaven is way better than that so be here for that message listen to it if you have questions about heaven or about anything else we always love to hear your questions and do our best to try to answer them email us mwolf at arisedenver.com strap at arisedenver.com make sure you smash that subscribe <laughs> button 
um, so that you get this podcast to whatever your favorite podcast app mm-hmm. is. And we'll be back with you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church, Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe, to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at risedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and then the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.